Though I gave him myriad opportunities when I was growing up, my father never really yelled at me. Now, when I say I gave him a lot of opportunities, juxtapose that with my mother, who was almost constantly yelling at me. I was always doing and saying something that I shouldn't be saying or doing. And yet, where my mom would get all upset and agitated, and my dad would just sit there and stare at me in bewilderment and shake his head and rub his chin. He was much soft-spoken, obviously. So it was quite surprising when I was 22 and right out of college, and for the first time in my life, my dad lost it on me. I had gone on a road trip after I graduated from college, and as part of that road trip, me and my buddies had gone camping. And when I got back from the road trip, as any person who's 22 and lazy would do, I just grabbed everything out of my car and threw it in the basement and figured I'll get to it in a couple of days. Well, in one of the milk crates that I left in the basement was a can of kerosene. And my father, understandably, was furious when he discovered this. He lost it on me. How could you do this? Why would you do this? You could have killed everyone in the house. And it was true. But I was so, I, I was you know, angry because he was angry. And I was confused because he'd never gotten that upset with me. And so I did what any normal, mature human being would do. I got in my car and I left. And I went over to my best friend's house. And my best friend and I were going to go to a movie that day anyway. So I got there a little early. He's like, why are you here? And I explained the situation. And he said, Pat, you're an idiot. You could have killed your family. And you know that's the hardest, that's the hardest, isn't it? When your friends give you the exact same reaction as your parents. That's when you know you've done something terribly wrong. But since then, duly chastened, I've never so much as left a can of gasoline in the garage. Right? As hard and as difficult as it was and is to receive a rebuke, a challenge, it's always difficult because we have to admit that we've done something wrong, it's even more difficult when the other person is righteously indignant at us. Because we realize that we are, it's not like a 50-50 here, a difference of opinion, we realize that we are wrong. And we have to come to grips with also the reality that their response is proportionate to the problem. And that the extent of their anger and frustration is also an invitation to me to change. In the gospel today, we hear very harsh and difficult language from John the Baptist. He chastens the Sadducees and the Pharisees who have come to him. You brood of vipers, he calls them. He calls them the worst in the world. He attacks them. He challenges them. But why is that? Because he has something to offer them that will change their life. And he recognizes in them a hesitation. Perhaps they're doing this because it's the socially acceptable thing to do. And what he is calling each of them to, and you and me in turn, is to truly open our hearts to the transformation, to the new life that comes not from John the Baptist, but from Christ Jesus, who we are preparing to welcome at Christmas, who has come into this world so as to change it. 
St. John the Baptist says here, we hear in the translation, repent. The Greek word there is metanoiete. In fact, these are the first words of Jesus. That's the exact first word of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. Metanoiete. And repent is true. Change, you know, be converted. But it has a deeper meaning. You know, meta means to kind of go across or between or beyond. And noiete comes from the Greek word nous, which means mind. So literally what St. John the Baptist is saying here, and Jesus later in history, is not just repent, not just admit that you're wrong, but go through a complete change of mind and heart. To go from one way of thinking and viewing about the world to another. And friends, because of our brokenness, because of our sinfulness, because of the depths that sin has played not only on us but on the world, we have to be confronted with this. We have to be challenged by this. In the first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, we hear this beautiful, where the lion will lie with the lamb and the child will lay its hand on the adder's lair. And that's beautiful. But we hear that before that, he shall judge the poor with justice and decide aright. He shall strike the ruthless with the rod, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Justice shall be the band around his waist, and faithfulness a belt upon his hips. For us to change, we must be confronted, we must be challenged, and we must choose. And now is that time. Now is that time. Just as I was at 22 being confronted with don't put kerosene in the house, Jesus is coming to us today. St. John the Baptist is coming to us today and saying, change your life. Turn from sin. Live in the glory of the gospel. But take that step. Don't do it because it's convenient or easier because other people are telling you to do it. Do it because you desire to bear good fruit. Because you desire to be the fullness of who you are created to be. Because what is in store for us, we don't know the bounds of that, St. Paul tells us. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has ready for those who love him. And so we are called to open our hearts. And this beautiful line from the second letter, our second reading from the letter to the Romans we are being challenged and called to that metanoiete, that conversion of thinking, but in accord with the church. God doesn't just leave us adrift. He doesn't just set us afield. He gives us his revelation, his teaching, his truth, so that we can be changed, so that we can come to a new way of viewing, of seeing, of loving, of building up justice in the world. By conforming our heart and our mind to the teachings of Christ and his church. So that we can be free. So that we can confront ourselves. Allow that change of heart and mind to go on. And then to do and to act. And to speak in new and more profound and more beautiful ways. Where does this start? How do we make that step? We have something better than the baptism in the Jordan. We have the opportunity to go to confession, to start anew. Every time we fall, we can go to confession and be renewed and restored. Totally, completely restored to the baptismal purity in which we were given in the waters of baptism. 
And this week we have our penance service on Wednesday evening. And I would invite all of you to come. There will be eight or ten priests available for three hours from 6 to 9 p.m. on Wednesday. To help restore. To help lift you up. To help you take the conflict, the difficulty, the confrontation, the Christ that John the Baptist is calling into your heart. And to be renewed and to be restored and to have your mind and your heart and your life changed. So that you can live for the glory of God. It's not easy to be confronted. But when we accept the confrontation in the truth and charity that it is there, it changes everything. And when God speaks to us through the scriptures in challenging and difficult words, it is for our benefit and for the good of others. If my father had yelled at me, actually, if my mother had yelled at me about the kerosene in the basement, I probably wouldn't have batted an eye. But because my father challenged me in a way that he had never challenged me before, it forced me to change. And God is calling us through St. John the Baptist to assess our lives, to be renewed, to be restored, so that the fullness of God living among us in Jesus Christ can be the reality of our lives now and for eternity.